Welcome to the Jumpstart Your Instructional Design Career Podcast. This podcast is dedicated to helping new and aspiring instructional designers get the knowledge, skills, and confidence to stand out in the field and land their first corporate instructional design job. I'm your host, Jill Davidian, and think of this podcast as a way to put my over 20 years of corporate ID experience in your back pocket. I've helped over 500 new instructional designers successfully transition into the field, and I know what hiring managers are looking for. Whether you're looking for a career change and exploring if instructional design is right for you, or you know you want to become an ID and have no idea how to get started, you are in the right place. Join me each week for actionable guidance as we explore how to build your portfolio, transform your resume, and interview with confidence. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about all things design documents. If you have no idea what that is, you're going to find out in just a second. So a design document is a deliverable that we produce for our clients. And so that could be a subject matter expert or a SME, could be a stakeholder, but instructional designers produce design documents at the beginning of instructional design projects. Now you're going to hear me say design doc instead of document often, and just know that you're going to hear that all the time in the field. Some people will say design doc, some people will say design document. They mean the exact same thing. So what we're going to talk about in this episode is how a design document fits into the overall instructional design process. Then I'm going to go more into detail about what a design document is, its purpose, and then I'm going to break down how to complete one. So it's really important that you're familiar with a design document for three reasons. So first, you have to have a design document in your portfolio. This is really important. A lot of people forget this when they create their portfolios to go get an instructional design job, if they even create a portfolio at all. That's really important. And we're going to have future episodes on what should be in your portfolio. But just know that this is one of the things. When people do know that they need to create a portfolio, they will often put the end deliverable in their portfolio. So if you're creating a course, you're going to put the course that you're creating in your portfolio, right? That makes a lot of sense. And you should do that. But the potential employer also wants to see the design deliverables. How did they arrive at that process? Because they're designer. They're not the one building the house, right? We talked a lot about that in the episode on how the instructional design process is like building a house. So you have to have design deliverables in your portfolio and a design document is one of them. Like I said, a lot of people forget this, but I want to make sure that you guys don't forget this because this is super important. It's going to be one of the key things to getting you an instructional design job. Now, the second thing is, of course, you want to know how to complete one as an instructional designer on the job, right? So once you become an instructional designer and you have to do this, you want to be comfortable with it. You want to know what you're doing. You don't want to look like a deer in headlights like I was when I walked into my first instructional design job after I'd completed my master's degree and had no clue what I was doing. And the client expected me to know what was going on. And I had no idea. You want to know, okay, we got to get a design document done. So that's the second reason I want to talk about that and why it's important that you know about a design document. The third reason is that you may have to discuss it in an interview. We don't know if the employer is going to ask about it, but your potential employer may ask about design documents in your portfolio. They may bring it up. They may ask you what your instructional design process is, and you want to make sure you include design documents. All of these things are important. Now, I'm going to address design documents from two perspectives. One is what you would do on a real project in terms of filling out a design document, and the other one is how you would complete a design document for your portfolio. Obviously, your portfolio is mostly going to be made up of mocked up documents or mocked up courses, 
mocked up deliverables. And if you hear me say deliverable, it basically means some piece of work. So your portfolio is going to have these various pieces of work because you don't have any real instructional design clients. You may, and that's great if you do, but just in case you don't, you're going to have to figure out how to complete this design document without a real client. And that's really why we're addressing this from two perspectives, right? So you can do this on the job with a real client, and you can also do this right for your portfolio. I'm going to link a design document template for you to use in the show notes. This is the same one that my students in Applied Instructional Design Academy use for their portfolios, and it's the one that I used when I was doing instructional design work for my clients. So it's been road tested for years. Now, if you aren't driving or anything, you can even print out and pull up the design document to follow along with me as I go through each section a bit later in this episode. Of course, if you're driving, please do that later. You can just listen for now. Now, I decided to do this episode because I've offered this template before in my free five-day instructional design jumpstart workshop that I offer every few months, which, by the way, is a great resource for you if you haven't attended yet. The link to the next one will be in the show notes. But people in that workshop always ask, am I doing this right? Because you can go and fill it out, but if it doesn't look like what hiring managers want, then what was the point? And it's not going to get you a job anyway, and it's just wasted effort. So I get this question all the time, am I doing this right? If that's you, if this is during one of my five-day workshops and you've heard me talk about design documents, or even if this isn't and you haven't asked that question yet, but you're going to after you complete it in the future, this episode is for you. So let's first talk about the process, the overall instructional design process for just a moment so you know where design documents fit in. So first, an instructional design project of any kind in the corporate space usually has a kickoff meeting where all of the very high-level project details are discussed. This is for an e-learning project, an instructor-led training project, a virtual instructor-led training project, or all of the above. It doesn't matter what type of training project you're on, but if you are developing some type of learning solution, you're usually going to have a kickoff meeting and a design document is usually going to be utilized. I will have an episode dedicated to e-learning, instructor-led training, and virtual instructor-led training in the future, but for right now, just know that you will be using a design document for all of those. So at a kickoff meeting, all of the high-level details are discussed, as I said, so that can be things like the timeline, the overall goals for the project, a rough idea of what the training should be about, the delivery method if available, so again, if it's e-learning, et cetera, the stakeholders that are involved, all these things you're going to discuss at the kickoff meeting. Now, how does that relate back to the design document? Well, after that meeting, the instructional designer's first deliverable, that first piece of work that they have to turn in, is a design document. And a design document is a summary of those high-level details, often from that kickoff meeting. So that's how I link the design document back to the kickoff meeting and why I brought that up. So usually that kickoff meeting happens first. I say that because many of the items that end up in your design document are actually discussed at the kickoff meeting. It's not always you coming up with everything in the design document 100%, which is why I want to emphasize that it's really not as scary as it looks. Once you get the hang of it, it's really not that bad. You will have to come up with a couple of things yourself, maybe more than a couple. It just depends on the project. But a lot of this information is going to be gleaned from others, from your stakeholders, and it may be given to you, or it's going to be a discussion. So I just want to make sure I put that out there so it doesn't seem so scary. Now, why are you summarizing this document and giving it back to the people who gave you the information, right? If you're in a kickoff meeting and they give you this high-level information, why are you putting into a document and handing it back to them? It doesn't make any sense. Well, the reason why 
is because they want to make sure that, number one, you interpreted the information correctly. They could have given you a bunch of information and you completely misinterpreted it. So they want to make sure that you've interpreted right. The other thing is that if there were several stakeholders in the room discussing things, maybe they didn't have the information coming into the kickoff meeting, but usually the kickoff meeting involves everyone on the project. And so they might have been discussing things, maybe some decisions were made. Those are going to be summarized in that document. So everybody has a summary of what was discussed. It's like everything gets captured in one place. Again, there are going to be some things that you add to it as well. It is a document that the stakeholders on the project are going to sign off on to be able to say that, yes, we all agree this is what it should be. And those stakeholders who sign off on that could be one person, five people. It just depends on the project. Now, there are times when you're not going to get this information from a kickoff meeting. You may not even have a kickoff meeting or they might not even know a lot of the details. If that's the case, you may be involved in the discussion to come up with that information, in which case a high-level summary is definitely needed. Or you may have to start pulling some of this information on your own and putting it into the document. So it's not to say that you won't have to ever create a design document completely on your own, but a lot of times this information can be gleaned elsewhere and you just have to summarize it in this document. Now, like I said, after the meeting, you complete that document, you will then give it to your stakeholders and you will determine during that kickoff meeting who you're giving it to. They will approve it. They will maybe make some changes, send them back to you, all of those kinds of things, and then you will move on. You usually don't go back and make edits to the design document itself, but you do make notes. So if there's something that changed and then that needs to carry forward throughout the project, then you're going to make a note so you know to take that into the next deliverable rather than moving backwards. Now, after the design document, it really depends on if the project is e-learning or some other type of learning project as to what the next deliverable is or the next step. If you want to know more about that, you can check out my episode on how the instructional design process is like building a house. That episode goes into the entire instructional design process, whereas I really want to focus on the design document for this episode. Now, I keep saying high level. Remember that this document is high level. It is not detailed. The next stage, which is in the other episode that I mentioned, has a more detailed document if you're working on an e-learning project. This is meant to be high level. It is not meant to be detailed. All right, so the moment you all have been waiting for, it's time to talk through each section of the design document. So if you're looking at it, you can walk through with me, as I said. If you want to look at it later, that's perfectly fine as well. But the design document template is available for you in the show notes. Now, the first section you will see on there is a business purpose. This is the reason that the training is needed. A lot of people struggle with this. This is why are we doing this training? Why now? Why is this important? Where's the gap? So there's a reason why the company wants to embark on, you know, paying for this training. If you're a full-time employee for a company. They're utilizing resources for this. Is it because this is a new initiative? Is it because policies have changed? Is it because it's for new employees? Is it because a new system has been implemented? That's something new, right? That would be the purpose. It could also be because there's some kind of a gap, right? People are not performing as they should. 
and the company wants to raise completion rate of XYZ, lower error rate, raise customer satisfaction, some metric needs to change that is not where it needs to be. There's a current state, not where they want to be. There's a future state they're trying to get to. So let's say the customer satisfaction score for a call center is 82% and they want it to be over 90%. The business purpose would be that the company wants to increase the customer satisfaction rate from 82 to 90%. And the reason why the customer satisfaction rate is not 90% is because of X, Y, and Z. This training is designed to bridge that gap so that employees can better perform their jobs so that they can get that customer satisfaction rating up to 90%. I'm being a little bit general, but I'm kind of giving you the point is that there is a underlying purpose. So the business purpose is not to train people on XYZ. You're not going to say the business purpose is to train my audience on how to tie their shoes, is to make sure that my audience knows how to make lasagna by the end of this training, or to train my audience on the three ways to train for a marathon. That's not the purpose. That's the goal of the training but the training is being completed because employees are doing XYZ or maybe people are not training well for a marathon. Let's say there's a lot of people having injuries. So that could be using that marathon example. If a lot of people are having injuries and therefore they're getting hurt while running this marathon, the organization putting on the marathon may say, you know what, we want to put out a training on how to train for a marathon. And so the business purpose is not how to train for the marathon. The business purpose is to reduce injuries. So do you see how you have to dig a little deeper? It's not how to train for a marathon. It's how to reduce injuries. And the training for a marathon helps to reduce injuries. And the learning how to train for a marathon, it's a little confusing because I'm using train in two contexts there. You're creating training to train for a marathon. That might not have been the best example. But you get the point where the business purpose is to reduce injuries, not to learn how to train for a marathon, right? Okay. So hopefully that makes sense for the business purpose and you're able to write your business purpose. Now, I gave you a more real life example running a marathon versus like a business type example, even though it was a bit general. And so obviously, if you're doing this for real business, you're doing this for a company you work for, you're going to use a more business type example. Why does the company care? What is the company trying to do with this training trying to achieve ultimately? Why do they care that people know this information? But you can also use this for your own sample that you're creating for your portfolio that can be mocked up. Make it up. Do a training on a marathon if you're a marathon runner or the organization wants to reduce injuries. Use that. Make that up. So make it up. Even if it's not a real thing, just make it look like it is a real thing because you're mocking up an example. They don't care that it's not real. It's to show that you know how to do this. Okay, so the next one is target audience. Who is this for? So in the marathon example, our target audience are people running a marathon, right? Like that's our audience. I'm not going to be the target audience for that marathon training because I've never ran a marathon in my life. We can get even more specific. It may be people who are running their first marathon because that's why they need to know how to train for a marathon because they've never done it before. 
and we don't want them to have injuries. Or it could be people who have had injuries in the past and they want to reduce those injuries in the future. Or it could be everyone. It's really up to you to decide. And if this were a real project, you would be having this conversation during the kickoff meeting to either arrive at who the audience is or they would be telling you who the audience is and you would want to be asking questions to make sure that you know, is this everybody who's ever running a marathon or is it people that are running their first marathon? Because the way you approach it is going to be different. It may be different. I don't know. It may not, depending on the topic. But you want to know enough about the people that you are targeting. What is their demographic? Is this people in a certain age range? Is it male or female? Do they have a certain education level? Do they have a certain previous knowledge? Which in that marathon example, if they've never ran a marathon before, they have no previous knowledge of marathons versus if it's everybody, they may know about marathons, they may not. So you need to know what their previous knowledge is. You want to gather as much information as you can about this audience. Have they received training similar to this before and hasn't worked? You're going to put that information into the target audience field. Now, this does not need to be super detailed. If you don't know that much about the target audience at this point, you can put in that this is for first-time marathon runners. If that's all you know, that's okay. One thing about design documents is that you are putting in the information you know at the time. You may get additional information as the project goes on and you create a storyboard and all of these other documents that I talked about in the episode on how the instructional design process is like building a house, you will start to gather more information. So the design document does not have a certain level of information other than it is high level. It's not like, oh, if you don't have these 16 details in your target audience, you don't have a completed design document. It really isn't like that. It's whatever information you have at the time that you're completing it. It could be one line, it could be five lines. Now the next one is the training time, meaning how long is it gonna take a learner to complete this training? This may be an estimate, or this may be a boundary, meaning this training has to be under 30 minutes, it has to be under one hour, but it also could be an estimate, meaning we think this training is gonna take X amount of time. It could be a 30 minute e-learning, it could be a one hour e-learning, it could be a eight hour course, it could be any number of things. So you would put the training time there. The next section is on training recommendation. And so this is, what are you recommending as the way that the company or the client should train this? Again, this may have been discussed in the kickoff meeting. They may have told you this is an e-learning project. You're developing e-learning and it's going to be 30 minutes. In which case, it's kind of like I was saying earlier, they gave you the information. You're just summarizing it. That's where depending on how much information you get during that kickoff meeting determines whether you can just plug this information into the document or whether you have to recommend something. So you may be recommending the training time, but a lot of times they give it to you. Training recommendation, again, they may have given that to you, but if not, based on what they've said so far, what are you recommending? Do you think this should be e-learning? Do you think this should be virtual instructor-led training? Do you think it should be instructor-led training? Do you have an idea of how this might flow in terms of, do you think there should be scenarios? Should it be scenario-based? Like say you're training, say you're training servers on how to provide better customer service. You might have some examples in the e-learning. You might have some scenarios where the learners who are these new servers are gonna walk through some examples on customer service and decide how they would react to these different customer situations. 
You could put that in the training recommendation. Now it's not detailed. You're not writing scenario number one, Bobby walked into the restaurant. You're not doing that. You're making this high level as to what should be covered in that training in terms of approach. You can say, I'm going to have a quiz. Again, this is the things that you come up with that need to go in there and it's high level and it's not specific, meaning there's not one way to do it. Okay, so the next section is deliverables. Now for the deliverables section, what deliverables are gonna be handing off to your client or to the subject matter expert, to the stakeholder throughout this project? Remember, a deliverable is just a piece of work that we're handing to them. So the design document is a deliverable. A storyboard is a deliverable. That's the more detailed thing that comes after that we're not talking about in this episode if you're doing an e-learning project. The actual course is a deliverable. If you're creating a virtual facility, if you're creating a virtual instructor-led training, you're going to have several deliverables. There's going to be a PowerPoint that they're going to use. There is going to be a facilitator guide that they're going to use. There's going to be a participant guide, maybe, or some kind of handout. If you have any handouts planned or anything like that, you could put that in there. You do not have to put what needs to be in them. You don't have to put any details. You can say one handout to a company training. And if you know what the topic is of the handout, great. You're putting in the information that you know. So your deliverables could say one design doc, one storyboard, one e-learning module created in whatever the tool is, articulate storyline. That could also go into your recommendation because maybe you're recommending they use storyline or whatever tool you want them to use. And then you could have one handout or one job aid. Job aid is a term that we use in instructional design that's like a one-pager, two-pager, very quick guide that they can use, they can take back with them to their workplace after they complete the training. That's all that goes in deliverables. Then we have learning objectives. So a lot of times during that kickoff meeting, the stakeholders and SMEs will tell you about their goals for the project, why they're doing this, going back to that business purpose. And then you'll have a discussion around what do they want people to accomplish at the end of this and be able to do? What do they want them to walk away with? So that is where you would put your learning objectives. And so sometimes they will give you learning objectives, but they're not always written well. And sometimes they are written well. It just depends. And sometimes they won't give you any at all. And you're writing the learning objectives based on the information that you discuss with them during the meeting. They may just kind of give you a whole bunch of things to think about, and then you have to then distill that down into, say, three learning objectives of what learners should be able to accomplish at the end. So this is where a lot of times you really have to spend time focused on it, whereas it's information you're coming up with, not information they're giving you. Some of that earlier information is information that they often give you, but at this point, you're the one that's likely going to come up with the learning objectives or at least rewrite what they've told you. Now, we'll have a whole episode on learning objectives and how they should be written. So we're not going to talk a whole lot about that here, but just know that you want your learning objectives to be measurable. You want them to be things that your learners will be able to do or know at the end of the training. So you're going to phrase them using verbs, and it's not going to be things like to teach. Like my learning objective is to teach the three ways to tie your shoe. That's not a learning objective. The learning objective would be at the end of this training, 
learners would be able to tie their shoe or learners would be able to list the three ways to tie their shoe or learners would be able to list the steps involved in tying their shoe. Those would be learning objectives. The learning objective would not be in this training, I will be teaching learners how to tie their shoe. So hopefully that makes sense. You're not focused on what you're doing in the training. You're focused on what you want them to do, the learners, at the end of the training or after the training. Then you move on to the training outline. Now in the training outline, this is where you're going to outline the overall training course. So what are your topics going to be that you're going to cover? If there's any subtopics. Now again, this is an outline. So think about when you're writing a paper in college and you had to outline your paper where you had your top level points and then indented in where your next level points and then maybe you had two or three of those and then you might have a third level indented from that. That's what we're talking here. We're talking like a couple of words or maybe a one sentence phrase for each one. We're not talking paragraphs of information here. So I wanna make sure that that's clear. You're coming up with this based on information from the kickoff meeting. They may give you some source content. You may go back and review that afterwards. Hopefully there's some information that you're looking at because you're not the expert. How are you gonna come up with this outline if you don't know this? They're gonna be giving you that information but they want you to organize it. And so you're gonna organize it into an outline. You're not gonna get detailed here. Now your outline is going to include if you're gonna have any assessments, are you gonna have knowledge checks throughout to check for understanding? Are you gonna have a quiz at the end? Are you gonna have some kind of attention grabber scenario at the beginning? Are you gonna have scenarios? How many? The number of topics that you're going to include, all of those things are going to be in that outline. And so it's really going to walk through at a high level. Like I said, if you can get a little more detailed in terms of including subtopics, like for example, if you mention the three ways to do something, list those three ways. So if you just say one bullet is three ways to do X, Y, Z, you should have three sub bullets that list those three ways. Now, if there's maybe five steps involved in the first, then list those five steps as another sub bullet. But maybe there isn't. That's it. So you can stop at two levels, but you could also go to three. So these are all the different topics that are covered in a design document. That's it. We've gone through all of them from top to bottom. And like I said, this is the design document I have used with clients in the real world. I hope that gives you a better idea of what a design document is, how it's used, and most importantly, how to create one. Now it's time for you to go and create one for your portfolio. Now, I wanna give you a tip to not make this too difficult. As I said, there's several things that you have to have in your portfolio. And one of them is going to be your completed module that you create for e-learning. If you want to have instructor-led or virtual instructor-led training as well, you can do that also. But you're definitely going to have to have an e-learning sample in your portfolio. Now, you can create a design document for your e-learning module. So think of it as a real project. If you were creating an e-learning module for a client, you would need to create a design document for it. So this design document you create can be for that e-learning module on the same topic. You do not have to create a design document for a totally different topic. Don't make this harder than it is. It's going to be a lot easier if you keep to the same topic. And when you get to storyboarding, which we'll talk about in a different episode, you can do the same thing. So go out there and knock out that portfolio sample. If you'd like to share your design document and get feedback or discuss, you can always do that in my Facebook group, which is linked in the show notes. See you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Jumpstart Your Instructional Design Career podcast. I hope you've gained valuable insights that will help you on your instructional design journey. Did you have a moment of clarity? 
Maybe you have some additional questions. Let's discuss in my Facebook group, which can be found in the description below and in the show notes at learningstrategyanddesign.com slash podcast. If you love the show and want to hear more, follow the podcast and give me a rating and review. Let me know if there's a specific topic you'd like me to cover or a guest you'd like me to have on the show. You can also check out more resources for breaking into instructional design on my website, learningstrategyanddesign.com. Stay tuned next week as I bring you more tips, tools, and strategies to jumpstart your instructional design career.